Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Yvette. A focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly podcast on all things mental health. I'm Ellen, and today we're talking to Andrea McLean. She's the author of a new book, You Just Need to Believe It, 10 Ways in 10 Days to Unlock Your Courage and Reclaim Your Power. She's also an ex-loose woman. We'll be chatting with her about her breakdown, how she reclaimed her courage and her confidence. It's so funny because I've never been a trendsetter in my life. How amazing. I, <laughs> when I when I quit my job uh, back in 2020, um, I didn't even think about whether anybody else was doing it or not, because clearly we only do things based on what, what we want and we we're not really thinking about the global experience of it. But it's been so fascinating to look back with hindsight. And yes, I was just one of many, many thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people around the world who during the pandemic took a a look at at their life and and what they were doing and and thought actually there's something else in me and I want to go in in this direction so for me how did my um pivot come about i'd been running this girl is on fire for a few years previously uh to when i actually then left television and and went all in on you know it becoming a, a, a proper startup, if if you like, and um, becoming my sole fo- focus. And I'd been 
basically the, the whole premise of it and what I'd been doing was it had started as a as a very simple online blog. My background is print journalism um, and I've always been fascinated with why we do what we do, why we think what we think. Uh, are there ways that we can we can change either our thoughts or our behavior or our processes that we can learn how to either live better with ourselves or live better in ourselves and so what i did when this when this girls on fire was was simply a website was um I would ask experts to write articles for for us and um, blog about my own experiences and this sort of thing and what happened was organically over the course of a, a year or so, this Girls on Fire was being found by women in 80 countries around the world who had no idea who I was. They just really enjoyed the content that I was putting out. And whilst it was wonderful that it was growing, it was a terrible business model because um, I was refusing sponsorship. I was refusing advertising because I wanted to keep it a really clean online space and not one of those dreadful websites where you can't even read a feature because there's so many adverts popping up here. It's like whack-a-mole. I just didn't want that. Um, but what happened was, whilst it was free to the rest of the world, it, it, it wasn't free to run. And it was actually becoming increasingly expensive to run because I was needing more people to come on board to, to keep producing great content and to keep it being a great website. And I ended up working so hard on any other job that I could get just to, to pay for the business that I ended up burning out and I experienced a breakdown. And it was kind of at that moment that I realized whilst this is working for everyone else, I need to find a way that there's a balance between providing a safe online space with great content, um, but in a way that I'm not going to make myself ill because if I make myself ill and then have to take myself out of the equation, I'm not helping anybody. And what I decided to do was to take a habit that we all have, which is standing in a Starbucks queue with our phone in our hand and um, utilize that habit in a way that serves us rather than not. So I put all my energies and, and with my husband, we work together on this. It's very much an equal partnership um, on putting all that great content into the palm of your hand. And that was that was what I left television to do because I realized it wasn't something I could do on the side. I needed to go all in on doing it. So that was why I quit and, and joined the hundreds of thousands of people around the world who did the same thing. I'm sure people tell you this all the time, but I think that was a very brave decision. Um, I think also the difficult thing with burnout is once you kind of push yourself too far and you're in that burnout breakdown stage it's so difficult to get back out of it and get back to doing what you want to be doing can you tell us a bit about the moment of burnout and breakdown and what that was like for you well everybody's experiences will be completely unique and, and I've had many women come up to me and say can you tell me what your experience was like because I I'm feeling this way and I want to know if is this burnout is this a breakdown and what I say to them is, you're, yes, there will be similarities, but my experience could well be very different to yours and probably will be because uh, I was working in a certain job and in a you know certain stage of my life and this sort of thing. So for my experience, it was a perfect storm that came together 
at exactly the right time. And it sounds weird that I would say perfect and right when it comes to burnout and breakdown, but actually it was because I see now with hindsight that actually all of these things needed to happen because otherwise I would have I'd have carried on on the same path and the same trajectory, not dealing with anything that I needed to deal with. And, and I'd been doing the equivalent of carrying around a big heavy bag of rocks and wondering why I was tired all the time. And um, for me, what it felt like was, well, to give you a bit of bit of context as well, I had taken part in a TV series, it's called SAS Who Dares Wins, which is an incredible TV show. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I did it because it was an incredible life-changing experience for me. And when I did it, I was, I was among I was in the first group of women to ever take part in it. Before then, it had been a, a male-only experience. And I was also the, the oldest woman, or the oldest person, actually, to take part in it at that time. And so whilst I knew I wouldn't win, because clearly there were people stronger than me, I was really curious as to how how mentally strong am I? What am I capable of of doing when I'm pushed out of my comfort zone? The one thing I hadn't factored in on all of that is... When when faced with some of the experiences that I was on SAS Who Does Wins, there was a box of experiences that I'd had throughout my, my past with various people in my life who, let's just say, hadn't been particularly kind. And I had put them in the box and thought, right, I'm not going to look at them again. And that box flew open and they were like bats flying out, all these thoughts and feelings and emotions that I tried not to look at or feel. And when I got home after that experience, I couldn't get them back in the box. So I was working as hard as I could, not just to keep the This Girls on Fire website going, but also to keep my mind busy. I needed to keep myself busy so that I wouldn't think. So I was listening to a lot of motivational podcasts to try and keep me energized. And all of these books that I was reading, the podcasts that I was reading were basically, they were very masculine in their energy. And they were saying, if you don't, if you're not getting anywhere, it's because you don't want it enough. If you're not progressing, it's because you're not working hard enough. And I was getting up at half five in the morning. I was in the gym for half six. I was working out. I was pushing myself really hard to be the fittest I've ever been. I wanted to be the most productive I've ever been. And, but there were two things happening. One, I was whirring with stress. I was also becoming more and more exhausted until the point where I felt like I was short circuiting. I felt like I, if you ever see a movie of a robot short circuiting, that's what my brain felt like. And for me, the moment came when a friend of mine stood in front of me literally like Wonder Woman in front of a speeding train. And she just put her hand out and she just went, just stop. Whatever it is you think you're doing, whoever you think you're kidding, whatever you think you're trying to achieve, you're not well. And I can see it. You're just spinning. Just stop. And it was at work. I was supposed to be on the TV in a couple of hours time. And I literally fell to the floor and started crying. And I was so relieved that someone had called me out. And what happened next was eventually kind of pull myself together and uh, went on and did the show and everything else. And then I came home and said to my husband, we need to have a chat. And I told him everything that I've been feeling. And I was very fortunate in that I'm with a lovely human being who is, um, who is, as aware of our need for communication and, and, and growth as, 
anyone could wish for. And his first reaction was, as your husband, I'm horrified that I didn't see this. How can I love you as much as I love you and not even know that this was happening? So firstly, you need you need help and you need you need counseling. You need to go and speak to someone about all these feelings that you're having. And then we need to have counseling together so that I never miss this again. And you, you know how to talk to me in a way that you can communicate how you're feeling. And that was, and anyone who's feeling this way, that's what I would hugely recommend. Go to someone who's an expert in this and therapists see this day in, day out. It's unique to you, but it's not unique to them. And my, first of all, I went to see someone and we, we unpacked all the things that had happened to me in my, in my past. And I was able to put them to rest. And then we went to counseling together to learn how to communicate better. And it was a, it was a game changer because when you, when you go to counseling as a couple from a position of strength, we weren't broken. We have a great relationship, but when you go to it with a, from a position of strength, what you're doing is you're, you're adding all these tools to your toolkit so that when you do have bumps in the road, you know what to do with it rather than it feeling like the end of the world or unraveling or becoming something much bigger than the sum of its parts. You're able to communicate with each other. I'm feeling like this now. And actually, I really would appreciate it if you could bear this in mind. And that was a huge turning point for me. You were talking very openly about um, your breakdown and counselling. Were you scared about that at all? Because it, I think it seems like such a daunting thing to openly say, like, no, I was really struggling. What's so fascinating, you know, compared to where I am now, to where I was when I first said it out loud and, and said it in public, there is a thousand miles between between that place. When I first said something, it actually came up by accident. Um, I was talking on Lusamin. Uh, it was the our first day back, I think, after we'd the pandemic had started, we'd gone into lockdown, we'd been sent home, and then we were off air for five weeks, and it was our first day back. And I can't remember what we were talking about on air, and it was about how we're we coping with the, with lockdown and this incredible global experience that we're all having. And I said, I'm I'm actually really relieved that this is happening now. Because if it had happened a year ago, I'd have been in a very different mindset because I had a breakdown last year. And since then, I've been working so hard on, on myself. And I now have the tools that I need to cope with something as challenging as, as this. And I kind of said it without even thinking that I totally forgot, really, that there's millions of people watching. And I could see the other women's faces sort of like, you've just said that out loud. And I realized, oh, my word. OK, how's this going to go down? And sure enough, you know, the press picked up on it and it was Andrea, my breakdown. And I'll be really honest, the press was really unhelpful in terms of the narrative that it took with a woman admitting that she'd reached a place where she'd broken down and had therapy to get back together again. And also, secondly, a woman admitting that, not even admitting, just saying, it's not an admission, admission is something that's bad, just saying my husband and I had counseling to learn how to communicate better within our relationship. And actually, I was very angry at the coverage that I got from that because next thing I know, I'm on the cover of the Women's Weekly type magazines, Andrea in Marriage Crisis, Andrea's Third Marriage in Breakdown, you know, here she goes again, this sort of thing. And I was angry on behalf of couples everywhere 
who may be experiencing difficulty in their relationship, who would see the flack that I was getting and then bury their head back under again and think, there's no way I can ask for help now because that's what happens when you ask for help is people point at you and they accuse you of being weak and they they tell you that you're making loads of mistakes, but they don't show you how to get out of that. And that's why I was so, and I wasn't angry on my behalf. I don't, I don't really care. I'm, I'm luckily I'm, I'm going to say luckily it's a terrible thing to get used to, but I'm used to things that I've said being taken out of context, but that's why I'm so open about it now because it's such an unrealistic expectation where you take two perfectly lovely human beings, you put them in a cage, expect them to get on for the rest of their life and don't show them how to do it. You, you wouldn't throw someone into a swimming pool without teaching them how to swim, but we expect someone to go into a relationship with no, no prior experience other than what they've observed from either their parents or, or their, their previous relationships, but they have, they, we're not giving them any guidance. And then when they go for guidance, we call them weak, when actually it's a huge strength to ask for help. It's a huge strength to change direction if the direction that you're in isn't working for you. And and I that's why I'm so open about it. There's also this view that like if you're in couples counselling, it must be a terrible thing or like you're fixing this huge problem. But it could be a really positive thing. Like what if we could all afford to go to couples counselling? We'd have much happier, healthier relationships. The, the the see we still speak to the the counselor who helped me back when i had my uh had my breakdown and what we did was we reached out to her um when i first left my job and um i i messaged her and i said hey so my life situation's changed i'm now you know i've left my job and i'm doing this and my husband and i are now going to be working side by side 24 hours a day we're in lockdown we're going to be running a business plus being husband and wife plus parenting plus it's lockdown. Um, can we book some sessions in with you just so we can get some coaching on how we can get through this in the best possible way? And what that meant was it was a really positive, proactive step. And we now see her as our coach rather than our counsellor. So we don't see her all the time, but just every now and again, we think, right, okay, there's a, this is a difficult life moment that's coming up now it'd be really good to speak to someone who's experienced in this kind of thing in the same way that if you're if you're some if your electricity went up you call an electrician you know or if you can see something you you call someone who knows what they're doing and so we have a really lovely light there's a lot of laughter and a lot of um it's a fun experience for an hour and we both walk away thinking right okay now we know what to do should this happen in the next few weeks or in the next few months or or whatever it is. And yes, it, it may be expensive for that hour, but it is dirt cheap when you compare it to what you're the pain that you're saving yourself from and the the stress and the unhappiness of living in an unhappy environment. If if you have one hour session to put you on the right track before you actually need it, it is the best money that you can ever spend. One hundred percent. What are some of the lessons that you've learned personally from counselling about looking after your own mental health and making sure that you don't get back to that place where you're completely burnt out and running on empty? I think recognising that where I am now is just where I am now. Mm. And that can be in, in good times and bad. So I think 
for example, there's so much on social media right now, which is if you're not living your best life, then you're failing in some kind of way. If you're not living in some kind of bizarre state of constant euphoria, then you ain't doing it right. And I think there's so many of us feel that because we're surrounded by all, by, you know, whether it's adverts or like say people on, on Instagram looking like they're smashing it and knocking it out of the park and you're at home feeling it's not working for me. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting any of that piece of the pie. And actually I feel really rubbish about myself. I think recognizing that that is a perfectly normal reaction that you're having. You cannot feel euphoric all the time. And for me, coaching, because I, I also have a coach um, that I, I speak with uh, a couple of times a month. And she is a, she's a, a personal development coach rather than a relationship coach. So I would, I would count her in the same kind of bracket as, as counseling, if, if you like. But instead, she uh, coaches me in the same way that a fitness coach would. But instead, it's about mental habits and this sort of thing. And it was the biggest tip was and the biggest takeaway is just accepting that I am where I am right now. And I have, I can either rest and um, acknowledge that this is where I am and, and that this will pass, or I can be proactive and do something about it, depending on how I'm, what I feel like I'm capable of right now. Because we, we're we not always capable of smashing our way through and pushing past. And I know that for myself because I burn out. Sometimes you actually just need to lay down. Sometimes the most powerful thing that you can do is stop and it's not a failing you're stopping and resting and gathering and regrouping so that you can you can carry on and I would say that's that's my biggest takeaway that stopping regrouping and just accepting that this is where I am right now is really powerful I wanted to talk a bit about your new book you just need to believe it um, and I know a lot of that is about kind of finding courage, you say, and confidence as well. How have you found courage and confidence again? Is that something that you've struggled with in the past? I didn't really realise it until, so I'm now in my 50s. Um, and people have, you know, said to me, gosh, you know, look at you, you're so brave now. But actually, I've always been brave. I just lost it for a while. And I think that when we're little, as in young girls in in particular, you know, you know, I can't I can't speak for boys because I am a girl, um, but young girls in particular, you know, we're we're pretty fearless and reckless creatures, and we're, we you know we'll try anything as toddlers and 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 you know and, until our, our our mums pull us to one side and tell us that's dangerous or what have you, and then as we get older, we're we're kind of trained to squash down any unpleasant emotions and don't be angry that's you know that's not ladylike and don't speak too loudly because that's not ladylike and it it teaches you to be timid within yourself I've been quite lucky in that when I was little without anyone ever recommending it to me I don't know how I started doing it but I think I can remember being as old as like nine or ten I remember when I was faced with doing something, an opportunity to do something that was a bit scary, whether it was to be in a school play or to, I don't know, something that was good but scary. I remember asking myself, when I'm a really old lady, will I wish I'd done this? Now, what's really funny is really old lady is probably how old I am now. But back then, I, I remember I'd, I'd ask myself and I'd picture myself as an old nana in a rocking chair on a porch. 
And I'd think, yeah, I'd wish I had done this. So then my answer was, yes, I'll try. And I've always, I've always had it. And I carried it with me through my 20s. I went, I went backpacking around the world before mobiles and before the internet, where you had to literally take guidebooks with you and hope you were heading in the right direction. And I packed up everything I had and into my backseat of my car, I moved to London and slept on floors and tried to break into journalism with no contacts other than I, I went, put myself through journalism school. So I'd always, and, and again, it came back to, will I regret not doing this when I'm older? Yes, I will. So I will find a way to do this. The sad thing was I lost that bravery for about, about 20 years. It was quite a long time, again, through relationships that really were not good. And what I love now is that in my 50s, that's come back again. And so even when it came to quitting my job in the middle of a pandemic where I was really blessed to have a job and it it was a really unsensible thing to do, to leave something that I was good at, that people admired me for, and to walk away to do something that I had no idea whether it was going to work or not. I asked myself the same question. When you're a really old lady, clearly now the age has moved up and it's now 100 rather than 52. Um, will I regret not doing this? And the answer was a resounding yes. So it's okay. How do I make this happen? And now that's just how I, how I live. It's actually a really simple formula and anyone can do it. And what you do then is you take something that's scary that you would see as to be fearful of. And you realize it's an opportunity that life has given you. And if your gut is saying that you really want to try it, you then start looking for ways to make it happen. And magically, you're focusing on solutions rather than problems. And you're looking up rather than down. And even that in itself just takes you into a different mindset and in a different direction. I don't know if you struggle with this, but I'll speak personally. I definitely have that voice in my head that's like the negative, most negative outcome mm. imaginable is what my inner voice will say. It's like, oh, well, you're stupid and this will all go wrong. How do you start to defeat that? How do you start to like turn down the dial on that voice and listen to the inner voice that's like, no, you can do this? Well, I think a few things there. One is to acknowledge that that voice is is perfectly natural because um, fear is a natural human condition. It is, we are programmed to experience fear because it will save our life. It's, it's there for a reason that the problem is, is when that, that, that negative voice, if you can't reassure it. And I do a visualization with the women in my community where I visualize fear as it's like a tiger that's keeping you in a cage and, and you're so afraid of it. And then one day you realize that this this tiger is that while it's roaring and growling and keeping you in this cage, it's doing that because it loves you and it's trying to protect you. It's actually not trying to attack you. It's trying to keep you in this safe space because it's so scared that if you leave this place you're in, that you'll come to harm. And once you realize that actually you can you can love and thank the, this this tiger for caring about you so much for wanting to protect you, but if you can learn to rest your hand on it and reassure it that it, it's okay actually we we can walk side by side on this one that's kind of what you you learn to do with the voice that's in your head so i i i do a few things 
I ask myself, who, whose voice is that that I'm hearing? Is it mine? Is it my voice that's saying, that's a ridiculous idea, don't be so stupid. Everyone will think you're, you know, will laugh at you because you've failed. And um, okay, if it's my voice, then these are just realistic fears that my brain's going, oh my God, what are you, what are you doing? That's a crazy idea. You're going to look like a lunatic and everyone's, you know, oh my gosh, everyone's going to laugh at you. To gently rest my my hand lovingly on that and go, it's okay. And the reason I know it's okay is because I've looked at all the terrible things that can happen and I've written every one of them down. I've looked them in the face and thought, can I live with that? Yes, I can. can I? So for example, when I, when I quit my job, um, it was a shock to everyone else, but it wasn't a shock to me because I'd already experienced those voices that you speak of. And I'd listened to them and sat down with them and thought, right, okay. Nick and I sat down with a piece of paper and we went, right, you quit your job. What's the worst that could happen? And I said, right, this could happen. And he went, okay, can you live with that? Yes, I can. Okay. What's the next worst thing that can happen? This could happen. What would you do? I could do that. Can you live with that? Yes, I can. And we went down and down and down into the worst possible case scenarios of everything that could go wrong. And once I'd looked it in the face and realized there is either a solution to this or I don't care enough, whether people are laughing at me or whatever, I'm all good. I can live with that. And what happens then is the, yes, the fear is still there, and but the voice is quietened down. So that works if the voice is you. But what I'd also get you to ask yourself is, listen to that voice again. And if it's not you, who is it? Because it may be someone else. It may be someone that is bullying you. It could be a parent. It could be a sibling. It could be a friend. Now ask yourself, why is that the voice that I hear? And are they saying those things because they they love me so much and they're fearful of me, which is maybe a case in a, in a parent. They're trying to, they're, they're saying, don't be silly. That's a really stupid idea because they love you and they don't want you to get hurt. And if that's the case, make peace with that and maybe reassure that voice, whether it's, you know, physically going and speaking, speaking to them. If it's a voice that you know doesn't have your best interests at heart, if it is a colleague who belittles you, if it is a friend who just makes little digs and likes to pull you down, or if it's someone who's outright bullying you, what I would say to that, and I've experienced all of these voices, we all have at some point, is ask yourself, why would I pay attention to a voice that doesn't have my best interests at heart? This voice wants to pull me down, so I need to do the opposite of what it is telling me to do, because I am capable of more. And it's such a freeing feeling when you realize that once I know where this voice is coming from, and is it coming from a place of love and a natural fear? Okay, I can work with that. Or is it actually coming from someone that I'm kind of scared of because they're not very nice to me and they're going to make my life a bit difficult if I try this thing? But I still have to do it anyway. Because again, fast forward to when you're 100 years old or whatever your age you choose, and you look back and think, well, I wish I'd done this thing. If the only thing that was stopping you is because some horrible people didn't want you to do it because they were jealous of you or you trying something brave shone a light on their fear, then that shouldn't be a big enough reason to not try. I'm going to think about that for a while. On a personal <laughs> that's, quite, that's a lot to think about. Um, to get to talk less about my issues um, with your book. I know that the title is talking about 10 ways in 10 days to reclaim your power. 
Um, I don't want to spoil your book and give away all 10 ways because people should buy the book and read it. But can you give us one of the ways that people can start to, you know, start that journey? Well, I mean, I, I genuinely don't mind if we give them all away. But I, I really don't <laughs> because what's what's wonderful about, um, you know, the, the book came about because of a challenge that I put together for my This Girls on Fire community. And I did it in the January after I'd quit my job and left Lusamin. And the reason I chose to do a, a challenge about being brave was because on the on the day that I announced that I was leaving, I I hadn't planned what I was going to say. And I'd actually only told the, the women who were sitting on the panel 10 minutes before we went on air that I was quitting my job. They didn't know. And the, the, the bosses knew and I'd, you know, I'd handed my notice in and everything else, but I hadn't told them. And so it was a very emotional experience when I actually said it out loud on the television because I was saying it out loud, made it real. And because I hadn't scripted what I was going to say, I just said whatever was in my heart. And and one of the things that I said was, I just really feel like I need to do something brave. I just I just need to know if this is going to work. And I keep feeling, what if I fall? But also I need to know, what if I fly? And I didn't plan it. That that quote is a quote that hangs on my wall. It's a picture in, in, my, in, in my house. And what happened was I got a, a tsunami of a response from women saying, I want to be brave and I want to do brave things like you did. And all I kept thinking was, I don't feel brave at all. I still feel really scared. I'm just doing it anyway. So I realized, right, I'm going to, I'm going to put together a 10 day challenge for all the women who've joined me in my community because fear and wanting to do something brave seems to be their overriding emotion right now. So what I did was I put together and the, the challenge is where the book the book stems from the challenge. I, I ended up, I just did a bit more research into why these things worked and gave more examples rather than simply asking the women to to do the um, uh, the different techniques that, uh, that I speak about. And what I did was I pulled together things that have worked for me in my 50 odd years, but also things that have worked for people throughout the generations, all around the world. I am... I do not have all the answers. I'm just one woman who's had my own life experiences and I read a lot about other people's experiences and I'm open to trying things that may help me with whatever it is that I may be feeling right now. So the first thing that I ask them to do is to be accountable. And it's really simple, but it was just to tell someone that they were going to do this this challenge. And the reason for that is because we all know that we quit if we don't tell anyone that we're going to do something. Now, you can either do it online and tell someone, I'm, you know, I'm reading this book or I'm doing this, this challenge. And it means that because the first thing that will pop into your head is, oh, my God, but it's going to be so embarrassing when. I, so what I do is I say to them, contact someone and say, text me in 10 days and ask me how I'm feeling because I'm doing this 10 day challenge. And the first thing that will come into your head is, oh, my God, but it's going to be so humiliating when they text me and I haven't done it. And then I'm going to have to explain myself. That's normal. So when that feeling comes in, you need to flip it on its head and think, okay, so how do I stop myself feeling embarrassed? I don't quit. I keep going and I do the challenge and really focus on how excited I'm going to feel about telling them, oh, I had this amazing experience. I've had this, this breakthrough. So that's the first thing. It's so simple. Just make yourself accountable. And then over the next, the, the 10 days, and the reason I do that is because you could read the book in a day. We could all read a book in a day. 
But if you try to do them all in a day, you're not letting them sink in. It's good to have at least 24 hours. I mean, really, you could do it over a month. You could do it over a lifetime. In fact, I have women in my community who have done it over and over again, because where you where you are meeting this challenge just happens to be where you are in your life right now. You can meet it again in a year's time, in six months time, and you'll be in a different place. And so I ask them to do a variety of things, which is ask yourself if I could do one thing and I knew I couldn't fail, what would it be? What is the one thing that you would do without the negative voices, without all the, the, people in your head telling you that you couldn't what would it be right let's now look at how you can do that one thing um th but the main thing that I teach them how to do is to love themselves because if we don't love ourselves and I, you know, I'm a massive drag race fan RuPaul's drag race and RuPaul says at the end of every episode you know if you can't love yourself how in the hell are you going to love anybody else and for me it, it actually goes deeper than that if you can't love yourself you are constantly operating from a place of fear because you you don't have that self-belief and confidence that actually what you're doing makes sense to you. It doesn't need to make sense to anybody else. Really, everyone else is, is irrelevant. It only needs to make sense to you. But if you can look at yourself in the mirror, and this is on day six, it's the most powerful part of the, the challenge, is I ask the women to, to just look at themselves in the mirror and look at themselves through the eyes of a friend rather than through our critical eyes that immediately go to the part of our bodies that we don't like or we wish were different or were bigger or smaller or smoother or whatever. And just look at ourselves through the eyes of a friend and love what you see. And it's a, the next stage is to, is to say the words out loud. So look at yourself and look in your eyes and say, I love you. Now, it sounds woo-woo and it sounds ridiculous, but it is the most difficult part of the challenge. And I know that when I first heard about it, and I heard about it through Louise Hay, um, Louise Hay is, a, is an author who then went on to form Hay House, who, who my book is published through. And so I'm not claiming this as my idea at all. I, it's totally Louise Hay's. But... If you can't look at yourself in the eyes and, and love yourself, then you will always be holding yourself back. And the first time I did it, I was so angry and I was quite surprised. So I thought, why am I so angry? That's such a weird emotion. Why, am I, why is it anger that I'm feeling? You know, I could feel embarrassed or a bit ridiculous or I don't know. And I realized I was so angry that I had spoken to myself so horribly for so long. And then I needed to try again the next day and look at myself with compassion and look at myself through the eyes of someone who loved me very much and realize, okay, you've just, you've just made some mistakes, but you see that now and you're not going to do that anymore. And what I do is I, is I take the women on, on that sort of learning curve of changing their habits every day so that every day they do something that, that works for them and builds their self-belief really, uh, self and then to a point where they, they love themselves. Loving yourself is the most important thing that you'll ever do in your life. It's not big headed. You're not getting up yourself. You're not, you know, it's not about who the hell does she think she is? Oh my God, if she was ice cream, she'd eat herself. It's not that at all. It's just a really quiet, strong feeling of 
of self-belief where it doesn't matter if people don't like you. It doesn't matter if people disagree with you. The way I see it is I don't like everybody. So why would I expect everybody to like me? It, it's illogical. So therefore, if someone doesn't like me, I just think, okay, that's kind of a shame because I really like you and I was kind of hoping we'd be really good friends. But if you don't like me, that's okay. I'm all right with that. But you can only do that when you're really secure in yourself. I think my final question is, if anyone listening is struggling, uh, whether that's with a kind of difficult relationship or they're considering quitting their job and they're burnt out, they're experiencing you know, trauma, what would you like to say to them? Well, all of those things are obviously on a on a sliding scale of 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 pain, and clearly, you know, there's a very big difference between discomfort and and trauma. Clearly, if you've experienced something, and and I'm I I think the word trauma is bandied around so much that you know, my gosh, it's traumatic if you miss an episode of Love Island. No, true trauma is something that that it's it has seeped into you and has become part of you and you're carrying it around with you and it is impeding on your on your day-to-day life whether that's in your 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 thoughts or, or your behavior I'd urge you to go and get help from that like I said going back to, to counseling ignore anybody anybody who makes you feel shame for seeking help and question their motives for doing so because anyone who loves you will want you to get better so I would say seek help and if it's if it is just the, and that's whether it's burnout or trauma or something like that, but if it is a day-to-day rumbling of, of anxiety, it goes back to what we're, what we're talking about. You, you are what you consistently do. And if you are consistently, mindlessly, because a lot of, we don't even know that we're doing these, these things. If you are consistently doing things that the end result is that you are really not feeling great about yourself. Pull, pull yourself up on it. I, I'm a great believer in journaling. And so write down, you know, how do I want to feel today? What steps can I take towards feeling that? The most powerful question you can ask yourself is what makes me happy? And I don't think that there are many of us who actually take the time to really think about what makes you happy. The first time I was ever asked this, um, she said to me, uh, it was a, a session I was I was having with a coach and she said to me, just say the first thing that comes into your head, the first five things that come into your head. And the first five things that came into my head were walking my dog in sunshine and feeling his joy, being by the sea, dancing like no one's watching and not caring if anybody, <laughs> if anybody does, um, being with my family and and serving others. Now, none of those things are particularly exciting. You know, they're not like being a multi-billionaire and having a Ferrari or, you know, it's nothing like that. But it was things that made me feel happy. So I think if if you find it really difficult to answer the question, what is it that makes me happy? Because so often where the first thing that might come into your head is something that a a salesperson has decided is the thing that you need to make you happy. So the first thing that might come into your head is a flashy car, some jewelry, some amazing clothes, the perfect body, all of this stuff. And if you really, really think about it, all of those things have come about because somebody is trying to sell you something. The things that I've listed, walking a dog, is free. The things that make you feel good should be free. So once you've kind of discounted the stuff that people want to sell you, 
start figuring out ways that you can you can bring more of that into your life. And if you struggle with listing what makes you happy, list what makes you unhappy and your list will be huge. I mean, we're all really good at listing things that make us unhappy. That's seriously easy. And if you look at what the opposite of those things are, it will give you clues as to what it is that makes you happy and start putting little steps in place to work towards that. That's not going to cure your trauma or your, you know, if you're really suffering with anxiety, of course it's not. But if you think about being what you consistently do, if you consistently work towards things that make you happy and feel good, you're at least heading in the right direction. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.